Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am humbled and grateful to have this opportunity each week to share with you from the scriptures. Together we're pursuing the truths of those scriptures and then finding practical ways to apply the Word of God into our lives. Now this week on the podcast, we're going to dive into a sermon I preached there at Connection Point back in early 2021. Uh, I entitled the sermon, Realign Your Friendships. Uh, Friend, God did not create us to live out our lives as a hermit. We're not called to live out our faith as a spiritual lone ranger, but in a community. We need friends. We need godly friends, friends who will stick closer to you than a brother. You know, uh, I see this need as I read in the American Sociological Review that states the average American only has two close friends. I read a survey put out by one poll. They surveyed 2,000 Americans in the area of friendships, and the poll revealed that the average American hasn't made a new friend in five years. Now, that was pre-COVID. Then you go through the COVID pandemic coming out of that, I would say that the ability to make new friends has even been more difficult with all the quarantining and the fear in our society. So I believe now is a really important time for us to go back to the scriptures, find out the value of friends and how to choose the right friends in our lives. We're going to look to Jesus because if there's ever been a beautiful example of what true friendship is or should be, all we have to do is look to Jesus. Remember that in John chapter 15, as Jesus looked out over his disciples just hours before Uh, his betrayal, and his crucifixion, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I call you my friends. Let's grab our message notes. We are week three in this series we're calling Realign, and one thing you hear from me quite often, I mean, literally every week, you hear me tell you that God wants a personal relationship with you. God wants a personal relationship with you. This is what separates true Christianity from just being religious because you can be religious and never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can go through all the religious uh, ceremony. You can, you can be religious in your activity and devoted to that religious activity and still have a hole inside your heart and not find the peace and the joy that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you understand a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it It'll make your religious life that much more beautiful and powerful. Amen? And it will leave you satisfied, not empty on the inside. God wants a relationship with you. You are the reason that Jesus came to this earth. If all God wanted was a bunch of religious activity, he would have left us living out the old law that was full of works. But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Come on, help me somebody. But have the gift of eternal life. And I need you to know that you are the reason that God sent his son. You're the reason that Jesus came, died, and rose again so that you and the Father could have a personal relationship. God wants a relationship with you. 
And, and, and listen, not only as a father to his sons and daughters, because how many know not all of those relationships in life are as healthy as they should be? And sometimes even in that, when we say God wants to be your heavenly father and he wants you to be your sons and daughters, you, you can get distracted and think, well, because earthly relationships may not be too healthy, then all of a sudden God is still an authoritarian up in heaven demanding certain acts out of his children. So I'm going to say something that might seem her heretical to some of you. But if you'll give me just a moment, I'll show you in Scripture that it's not heresy at all. It is actually God's divine design. And that is, God not only wants to be your heavenly father, he, he not only wants you to be his children, but he, your heavenly father wants to have such a close, intimate relationship with you that you could actually look back at your heavenly father and say, he's not just my father, he's also my friend. How many of you remember the name Abraham, studying Abraham in the Old Testament, the father of the Jewish people, Right? And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this about Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says it in two places, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament. Abraham was a friend to God. And then there's these two guys, Noah and Enoch. And if you've read them in the book of Genesis, Enoch was, was a man that, that God walked with. And Noah was a man that God walked with. And both of them had this testimony that they walked with God. And that statement literally means that they were so close in relationship to God that it was like two friends walking down the road together. Then you've got Moses. And I know you've all heard of Moses. Come on, everybody's heard of Moses. Shout, I have. All right, so we all know about Moses, right? Do you know Exodus 33 verse 11 says that Moses, when he prayed, Moses talked to God as a friend speaks face to face with his friend. And I'm here to tell you that that's the type of relationship God wants with you. And let me give you one more, give you one more, because I'm going to bring him back up in the middle of the sermon. And, and that's David, the great ancient king of Israel. 3,000 years ago, Israel had a king. His name was David, and he was a shepherd boy that becomes king of Israel. You've heard of his story. If you've never been in church before, you've probably heard the story of David and Goliath, right? This little shepherd boy killing the big giant. And, and, and here's what the testimony that the Bible gives us about David. The Bible says David, even though he wasn't perfect, David, who made plenty of mistakes, David, who, who just royally messed up over and over and over again. Yet when he did, he repented. When he did, he called out on God and he had a genuine love for God. So the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a man after God's own heart because he never messed up. Are y'all with me this morning? Look at your neighbor and tell him that's good news for you. You need to hear that one more time. He wasn't a man after God's own heart because he never messed up. He was a man after God's own heart because when he did, he was truly sorry, repented, and called out on the Lord. And he wanted the relationship with his father restored. He was a man after God's own heart. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Here's what I want to share with you today. Here's where I'm talking to you about in this Realign series is that God, first of all, wants you to be aligned with him in a personal relationship. It is personal. Number one on your message notes, God doesn't want you just to have a personal relationship with him. He also wants you to have a shared relationship with him. If you miss the second half of this, you can still find yourself out of alignment with God's plan and God's purpose. 
You can be saved and still get out of alignment with God's plan and God's purpose when you try to live out your faith as a spiritual Lone Ranger. I need every one of you in this room and every one of you with me online right now to understand something. God did not create you to be a spiritual hermit. God doesn't want you living in isolation. And if 2020 taught any of us anything, it's this. We don't do well in isolation. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house? We don't do well in isolation. We get so out of alignment when we are off to ourselves. And the reason is, is because God didn't design you to live out your life alone. We are to live, we are to work, we are to worship in a community of friends, in a spiritual family. None of us are created to live out our lives alone. We need them physically. We need people. We need people emotionally in our lives, and we need people spiritually. You will never grow to the fullness of your relationship with the Father without surrounding yourself with the right people. So here's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about realigning your friendships. And the reason this is so important is because, listen to me, listen to me, You can get out of alignment in your life because of the lack of good friends or an abundance of the wrong friends. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me say it one more time just so I make sure everybody's got it. Here's what we're talking about today. You can get out of the alignment of God's plan and purpose for your life because of a shortage of the right friends and with an abundance of the wrong friends. Not having enough friends is a real issue in our world today. I actually was looking up some surveys on this, some studies, and here's what one study I found uh, came, came to reveal. It says the average American only has two close friends. The average American only has two close friends. Now, here's why this study is so troubling is because the same study 25 years ago, the same study 25 years ago said the average American had six close friends. So in 25 years, we have seen a social decline by two-thirds. 25 years ago, the average American, six close friends. Today, two close friends. And then they say there are at least three contributing factors. There's more than that, but three primary that they like to bring up. And the three are this. One is an increased hours of work per week. We're we're working all the time. Many of you are working more than one job. And, and, And you're working so many hours, you can't develop the friendships that you need, the relationships you need to help you even in your walk with God because of so much work, so much activity. We're so distracted. We're so busy. And if it's not our nine to five job, it's something that we're just so busy. We can't develop relationships. Secondly, they say it's because of the rise of divorce. Divorce uh, divides friendships. Friendships that were there in a marriage union, when the marriage union dissolves, now all of a sudden, relationships start dissolving. And the third is this, and you're going to love this, and you're going to know that I was going to go here uh, before I get done, because I hit this quite often in this series so far. But the third contributing factor to to the rise of loneliness in America is social media. Social media. 
Now, I'm going to come back to that one in just a moment, but I want to share a little more with you on these studies. So another study put out by OnePo said this, out of 2,000 Americans surveyed, they found this, the average American hasn't made a new friend in five years. And that the average American, their friendships peak at the age of 23. So all of you over the age of 23, the study says the reason many of you are struggling to develop friends is because there is a mindset that after you're past about 23 years old, you believe that everyone has already developed all of the social circles that they need or want. In other words, you come into a worship center like this with hundreds and hundreds of people and you can come here for weeks and weeks and months and months and be totally totally alone, thinking everyone in this room has already got all of the friends they want or need. And here's the funny thing about it. You're setting three people down from another person who is lonely and feels like this church has all the friends that they will ever need. And here's what I feel led in my spirit to say to our congregation and to those of you watching online, because we will, we will contact you even through our online pastors, here's what I need you to know is the next great friend that's going to help you stay in alignment with your heavenly father and his plan and purpose for your life might just be sitting inside this room right now. The next great person who's going to come alongside and hold you accountable and encourage you and build you up may already be here. But you and I have that responsibility to take advantage of when we have an opportunity to meet new people and to get to know and make more friends. Because most of you think everybody already has all the friends they want. They don't. They're thinking the same, pro same thing. In fact, 42% of those who were surveyed said one of the things that causes them struggle to develop friendships is they're so introverted or shy and that they feel like everyone has already developed all the friends that they want or that they need. Now let me get back to social media. So that social media was a third great indication of why the rise of loneliness in America and why people aren't making friends. And they actually came up with a, with a title to this. They call it deferred loneliness. Deferred loneliness. Because what happens in social media is you have a false sense or a false illusion of friendships. So I post something. Let me give you an example. I post something on my social media site and immediately... Within minutes, what happens? I get all these likes and shares, and people are like, whoa, I love that quote, pastor. That's a great quote, pastor. Great quote, pastor. And it's over and over and over again. And I'm looking at this, and within five minutes, like I've got 100 likes and shares. So what do I do? I think, wow, I've got 100 great friends who love what comes out of my mouth and through the tips of my fingers. Mm-mm-mm. But there, and so what happens in that quick moment because of instant gratification you receive off of social media, it defers the sensation of being lonely. But it only defers it. And the reason it only defers it is because if you're ever on social media, you know what happens right after your post, right? Click, 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 click. What's happening? Other people are posting too. And so then what happens is you start thinking, wow, they really like my post, but that was 30 seconds ago. 
I got to post something else. I got to post something new and fresh. Hurry up. What can I do? So you run outside and you take a picture of the snow. Look, it's me in the snow. You post it and everybody's like, good. Oh, that's great. I love your picture. Oh, what beautiful snow in your front yard. Then somebody else gets their post on there and it's over yours now. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. So then you go jump face first in the snow and you have somebody else take your picture. I fell in the snow. Look at me. And what are we doing? We're caught. We got to constantly keep something out there. And then we'll spend the rest of our day when you could be productive doing something. But instead you sit on the couch and you go back to your old post and you look to see if you got any new likes and comments. An hour ago, there was a hundred. If there's not at least 101 now, I'm, my feelings are hurt. Is that not correct? Do we not do that? That is what is called or referred to as deferred loneliness. In fact, this week, this is sad that I actually thought this was humorous, but it's sad at the same time. There, there, I saw a post of a woman who had huh, quintuplets. Did I say it right this time? because I royally messed it up in the first service. I had somebody from Kentucky come through the lobby and say, please get it right the next time, because you really made Kentuckians look bad last, last service. <laughs> say it one more time for me, baby. That's why I married her 30 years ago. She helps me. Quintuplets. You know, if you don't know what that means, it means she had five babies. I didn't know how to say the word, but I did know this. When I saw the post, I wanted to stop and just pray for her blessed heart. She's got five little babies. But here's, here's what was so interesting about her post. She took a picture after the birth of her five babies and she posted it up. And when I, the post I saw was her back on social media giving a scathing comment to everyone who is her friend on, on, on social media because there wasn't enough likes and shares of her five new babies, according to her opinion. What happened? <laughs> All of a sudden, in a highlight of her life, she felt like, I don't have very many really good friends. Now, here's why I bring that up. Because, one, if you're getting your sensation of friendship and loyalty off of social media, it will always leave you lacking. Because here's the deal. You can have hundreds of friends on social media and still have no one to call on in the middle of the night when you are in a crisis. God wants better for you than that. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him, but he also wants you to have a shared relationship with him, with other men and women who are close friends of yours who will help you in your faith and make you better. Let me show you a great example. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's telling about the experience of them coming into Macedonia. And if you look at verse 5, here's what Paul writes. Paul writes, in fact, when we came into Macedonia, and I want you to catch the emotions here. When we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. 
We had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. We had conflicts on the outside and we had fears within. Do you see it? Do you see his predicament? They're coming into Macedonia. They're tired. They're weary physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They've got all this stress going on. There is pressure on the outside. They are full of fear on the inside. This is Paul. This is the man of God. Pressure on the outside. Fears within. Notice verse 6. But God who comforts the downcast. Stop right there. Don't read any further. God who comforts the downcast. How many believe that God will comfort the downcast? Here is Paul, this mighty man of God, who's got pressure on the outside and fears on the inside. How many of you would agree that Paul has done a lot of praying at this point? Come on, somebody. Paul has absolutely done praying. You know he has. He's got a personal relationship. But remember, I told you, it's not just a personal relationship. Some of you think you can go through all your hardships all alone and you're going to find yourself still empty and wondering, why God? Why God am I still hurting? Why God am I still lonely? Why God am I still fearful? I've got a great relationship with you. It's because it's not just personal, but a shared relationship God has created you with. Paul here is praying. You know he's prayed. You know he's called out on God. And then he says, and the God who comforts the downcast. Look at the rest of the verse now comforted us. God comforted us. So yes, he did. How did he comfort Paul? By the arrival of Titus. You see it? And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you, talking to the church in Corinth. Do You see it? Paul says, yes, God is a God of comfort. And I, you know that Paul had prayed but where did God choose to comfort, or how did God choose to comfort Paul? Paul said, I didn't just get comforted because I've got a personal relationship. It didn't just come through my prayer life. It didn't just come through my worship time. Paul said, I got comforted not just because of my relationship with God on my own, but because of Titus. And I'm comforted not only because Titus, but because Titus was comforted by you, the church. And so it's not just a personal relationship that God wants you to have to stay in alignment, but you need a shared relationship with some Tituses in your life. In a church family that will come alongside you when those moments when there is pressure on the outside and fears on the inside. Let me talk to you about this for just a minute. Because I know coming to a large church like Connection Point can seem a little daunting, especially if you're brand new and you can come for weeks and feel like, okay, well, who do I know and where do I fit in? And let me just share this with you. As, a, as your pastor, God wants you to have a personal relationship with him first and foremost, but he also wants you to have a shared relationship with people in your lives. And I honestly do believe that God is bringing people to this church so that we can build those communities and that relationship so that you will have those friends in your life that'll be there for you, like a Titus, when you feel the pressure and the strain. But there's some things you may have to do to build that. You know, if you just simply come in and, and then leave, you're probably not going to build too many relationships. And so there's some things we have created to try to help you. One of those is our connect groups. And if you're not already in a connection group, I want to encourage you to pray about signing up for connection group. And it's so easy. You can do it on our website. You can go underneath the logo out in the lobby after the service. We'll have hospitality workers there with iPads. They can sign you up right then and there. And for some of you, 
we, we would encourage you to open your home, volunteer your house. Some of you could lead a small group, and we'll train you. If you're interested in leading a small group, we'll train you in that. But there, there's something powerful when you can come together in a group of 10 or 12 or 14 and get to know them and live through your life together uh, with them. This past week, I had to do a funeral of a young man who, for all of us, left this earth way too early. And I want to tell you, it was difficult. It was a difficult funeral to get up and preach. And, and when I got up there and I was intimidated, I want to tell you where I got my comfort uh, when I preached this funeral. And when I stood up and I looked back and the last third of the funeral home was this young man's small group out of this church who were there sitting in the rows. And they had been there day in and day out with this family. And they had ate meals together with this family. And they had studied the Bible together with this family. And they had encouraged each other in this small group. And when this family was going through one of the hardest, most devastating moments in their lives, and now there's a widow and a young son there without a daddy, and, and, and they're there, that, that connection group was in the back, and they were there praying and encouraging them. And that family knew that they were loved. And I want to tell you, we need those kind of relationships. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a connection group, to get in one. And even online, you can create a connection group wherever you are, whatever state you're in. We'll train you online. We'll help you get it started any way we can. For some of you are brand new to the church. Uh, your next step may just be signing up for coffee with the pastor. Come join me next Sunday night at six o'clock. Come into a room with a lot of other people who are looking and wondering and questioning just like you are and meet some people. Just come and learn about the DNA of our church and meet some other folks who are in the same boat you're in right now and see what God will do in those relationships. Then when we have events here in our church and we try to schedule enough events that kind of reach a wide variety of interest and likes throughout the year, I just encourage you to take advantage of those. And when you come, come willing to in, introduce yourself to other people because you never know when that relationship is going to get started that's going to help you in a time of need. There are people in this church who need friends. And they're just like you. They think everybody already has all the friends they need or want. And that's just not true. And then uh, I just want to say this. When you come here on the weekends, there's a reason we put a, ca a cafe out there in this lobby. And there's a reason the lobby and the hub are so huge. It's because what we don't want is we don't want you coming in here in the third song and skipping in and hurrying up and sitting down going through the last song, hearing a little bit of the sermon, and then when I start the invitation, getting up and sneaking out so that you don't get trapped in the big parking lot. I get it, but that's not what we want for you. We want you to come early, get you a cup of coffee and sit around and introduce yourself and meet some new people. We invite you to stay after service and just linger around and talk and meet people. Why? Because it's not just a personal relationship God wants you to have. He wants you to have a shared relationship. We need people in our lives. Amen? Let me give you point number two. In that, as you're making these friends, use wisdom though. Be wise in choosing friends. That's why we try to help create environment here that you can make some friends in your church family. But wherever you are, school, work, uh, ball teams, activities, music clubs, whatever, use wisdom in making your friends. Let's look at some verses together. Look at this verse. Proverbs 
Chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What kind of friends do you need in your life? What kind of friends do you need to be looking for? Those who are like iron sharpening iron, they, they make you better. Look at this one, Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two are better than one. Somebody shout, yes, they are. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. And if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But look at this verse. Pity the one who falls and there's no one there to pick him up. God doesn't want you to go through struggles and not have someone there. If someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. I thought this was cool. I saw this quote this week. A little boy said, a real friend is someone knows, who knows all about you and likes you anyway. Look at two people right now and tell them that's the kind of friend you need. Amen? And this is so important. So I share this with you to say, use wisdom. Find the friends that you get close to who are like iron sharpening iron, who will be there to pick you up when you fall down. Because the opposite of this is true, too. You get, if you surround yourself with the wrong people, they'll influence you instead of you influencing them. Now, listen, and I'm not saying that you can't have friends with someone who isn't where you're at on a spiritual level right now. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is a friend of sinners. But when you have someone that's not on the same spiritual path that you're on, uh, you have to understand you've got to be the one that does the influence, and you can't let them be the ones that influence you. Because how many know this is true? This is true. Just think about this. Most of your successes are somewhat attributed to the crowd you surround yourself with. The ones, when you have a success, it's usually because you've had people around you who encouraged you, trained you, you know, gave you the get up and go to go do that, right? How many know that most of our failures also are somewhat attributed to the influences we've allowed in our lives. How many of you want to hear some embarrassing stories on the pastor? Seems like every time I share that, our reviews online just go way up. So I'll, I'm just going to do this quickly, but I'll tell you, uh, between my eighth grade year and my sophomore year in school is the time period. I thank God it wasn't any longer than that. But between eighth grade and my sophomore year, that's when your pastor lost his ever-loving mind. Did stupid stuff, crazy stuff. Now, I'm, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I'm just saying that pales in comparison to that year and a half of my life. And part of the problem was is I was so introverted. And I had such a difficult time making friends. And I only had a couple of people that I considered close friends. And they were, and I love them. I love them to this day. They were my, my buddies that we spent so much time with. There was only one issue there. We weren't on a good spiritual path together. And because I needed friends, because I was so introverted, I allowed them who, they didn't have a close relationship with Christ at that time either, and I didn't. And so even though I'd been raised in church and I knew what was right and wrong, and, and I was convicted and I wanted to have a relationship with God, because I wanted friends, I would, I would go over to their persuasion more than I would stand in my persuasion. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? And I let them influence me more than I, was, than I influenced them. And so when I share these stories with you, I'm not bragging on these terrible decisions I made. Please, disclaimer. And if you're making some of the idiotic decisions that I made back then, I'm up here today to tell you to stop it. Nip it in the bud. There's a better way for you. 
I can only, I'm embarrassing myself when I tell you, there's a reason Kmart went out of business. Because back in the day, see, you younger kids, you think that Levi jackets are cool now because they just now came back in style. But, but, but 25 years ago, they were in style too. And, and Levi jackets had this cool pocket on the inside. And y'all may not know this, but back in the day, we listened to our music on cassette tapes. And cassette tapes in the stores at Kmart came in this plastic uh, packaging that wasn't much wider than the cassette tapes. And they fit just right on the inside pockets of Levi jackets. And me and my buddies thought it would be cool. We persuaded each other. We encouraged one another to see how often we could go to Kmart and come back with the latest, greatest heavy metal bands. I was actually pretty good. But that is nothing to brag on. <laughs> then in our county that we lived in, our county was a dry county. Now, I know a lot of you in Missouri don't know what a dry county even is. <laughs> it meant alcohol was illegal to sell to public. And so what happened was, is people who wanted to sell alcohol had to do it illegally, and it was called bootlegging. And when you're a 14-year-old boy who's being persuaded with the wrong crowd, you find out who the bootleggers were. And, and I just want you to know, sometimes you buy it out of the back of a house and sometimes from broken down school buses. It's just wherever the stash was and wherever the, the dude was with the money, who wanted the money, right? And I, I found those places as a 14-year-old teenager. And... Uh, it was pretty ironic. And so I tell you this, how God's grace turned my life around because I made some stupid choices. And again, if you make stupid choices, stop it. I'm only telling you that because I'm telling you that even though I wanted to live for God, I allowed the wrong crowd to corrupt me. I allowed, I allowed myself to go with their decisions instead of me being the one persuading them. And I want to tell you, some of you are struggling with that right now too. Look at these verses. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked will lead them astray. Proverbs 13, 20. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And you got to be careful with who you surround yourself with. And if, if you know you're not on the same spiritual plane and they're not going in the same direction as you are, you got to make sure you're the influencer and you don't let them be the one influencing you or you'll do some stupid stuff like I did. But let me tell you how God turned that around for me. So about five years later, <laughs> when God turned my life around, called me into the ministry, and I began pastoring a church at 18 years of age, so four years later, the first bootlegger that I ever visited walked in the door of the church I was pastoring. I want to tell you that was an eye-opening moment for me, being in the pulpit. Here they come walking down the aisle, right? And I ended up becoming the bootlegger's pastor. And they were gloriously saved. So thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for grace. Why do I tell you all that? It's because you got to be careful who you surround yourself with. And you got to make sure that you do the influence and you don't let someone else do the influencing on you. 
Follow the model of Jesus. Jesus had this great model. So like he had 70 that we know the Bible says Jesus was sent out to 70 and those were his friendly acquaintances. These were people that he loved and he was feeding into, but he couldn't know them all uh, great and personally. So he had his 12 and these 12 he spent three and a half years with and he just fed into this 12. And out of this 12, he had three and he had three people in there, Peter, James, and John, that he became the closest to. And in the hours when Jesus needed someone in his life, it was Peter, James, and John he took to the Garden of Gethsemane with him. And the reason Jesus was such a good friend to the three, the 12, and the 70 is because Jesus was lined up with his heavenly father. That's why it's important for you to be wise when you're choosing your friends. Because you want friends who will line up with you as you line up with your heavenly father. And let me share this with you. There are three good friends every one of us need in our lives. Three good friends. You remember I told you about David a moment ago? David with this man after God's own heart. But David, he royally messed up so many times. So how in the world can we call him a man after God's own heart? It's because he had friends in his life that when he got off track, they would call him on it. Let me tell you three of them. And these are three friends we all need. We need to be praying God put these kind of people in our lives. One of them is a Samuel. We all need a Samuel because a Samuel is the person who makes us a better person. When, when David was called by God to become the next king of Israel, he was only a teenage shepherd boy. And listen to this, watch this. David's own father, Jesse, didn't believe David had it, what it took to become a king. So when Samuel the prophet came to his house, he said, Jesse, bring all your sons before me. God's gonna choose one of them to be the next king. And Jesse brought all of his sons except David. And Samuel goes through all of the sons of Jesse and he says, God didn't choose this one. God doesn't choose this one. God doesn't choose this one. He comes to the last one and said, this isn't it. Jesse, do you got any more sons? Can you just see the sheepish look on Jesse's face? Well, there is David out there. And as soon as David walked into the room, the Bible says, God spoke to Samuel and said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on their heart. And Samuel said, that's the man. And when his own daddy didn't believe in him, Samuel anointed David to be the king of Israel. Amen? We all need a Samuel who'll make us a better person. Then we need a Jonathan. Because a Jonathan is those people who come in our lives and strengthen us when our faith is weak. Saul was the king of Israel, and though David was anointed king, it would be 13 years before David would take the throne. And Saul would seek to take David's life. And, and here's the irony of the story. Saul's son, Jonathan, was David's buddy. And at one point, when Saul is trying to kill David... Where did his encouragement come from? It came from Jonathan. And Jonathan, you can see the verse there uh, on your message notes, but Jonathan comes to, to him and in verse 16, Saul's son Jonathan came to David at Horesh and he encouraged him in God. He encouraged him in his faith. You need somebody when you're broken and when you're down that lifts you up and preaches to you and gives you scriptures and prays over you. That's the kind of friend you need. You need a Jonathan. Third, you need a Nathan. David had a Nathan in his life. And the most popular sin we know of of David is when he sinned with Bathsheba, right? David sinned with Bathsheba. 
And when David sinned with Bathsheba, then he had Uriah killed. And here's the king. Who in the world is going to stand up to a king? And one day in walked Nathan, the prophet of God, who loved David. But he loved David enough that he knew if he didn't confront David, David was going to destroy his house. He's going to destroy his family. He was going to destroy his life. He's going to destroy the nation. And even though David could have had the prophet executed for speaking up, Nathan walked into the throne room and looked at David and said, David, you are the man who has sinned in Israel. You need a friend who will tell you the truth. I want to encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, to understand God doesn't just want a personal relationship with you. He wants a shared relationship with you. And you need to be wise in choosing those friends. You need to pray and ask God to bring some Samuels in your life, people who make you better. And you need to pray for Jonathans who will strengthen you in your faith. And you need to pray for some Nathans who are bold enough and love you enough that when you get off track, they will speak the truth to you in love. Number four, to have these kind of good friends, you got to choose to be a good friend yourself. And here's what I want to encourage you to look at. To be a good friend and to have a good friend, to have some Samuels and some Jonathans and some Nathans in your life means you might have to be a Samuel or a Jonathan or a Nathan to someone else, right? To have a good friend is to be a good friend. And when you are being a good friend, please hear me, it's not a contract. Friendship is a covenant. And there's a big difference. A contract says, I'll be your friend because of what I get out of this. But as soon as you no longer meet my expectations, it's over. But a covenant friendship says, I'll go with you all the way. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. This kind of friend loves at all times and is a brother born for a difficult time. Proverbs 27.10 says, don't abandon your friends. How many of you today know that God wants a personal relationship with you, but he also wants a shared relationship with you? I want to encourage you to look around and pray, God, put the right people in my life. Give me a Samuel. Give me a Jonathan. Give me a Nathan. Help me be that also to someone else. And it may mean you've got to walk through some dark times with people. But you continue to love them and you continue to encourage them and you continue to point them to Jesus and at the same time, you let them walk through some tough times with you. And at the end of the day, who does that sound like? Who has ever shown us how to love people with an unconditional love? See, con contracts are conditional. True love, true friendship, that's unconditional. And we've got one role model to emulate. That one role model came in one night at the hardest time of his life, sat down and had a meal together with his disciples and was sharing with them, Judas has already chosen to betray him for 30 pieces of silver Peter, he already knows Peter's going to deny him three times before the morning. 
And Jesus, our role model, looks out over his disciples. And Jesus says, No greater love has anyone than this, than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. You know what absolutely amazes me about God? Is though he is our father, through Jesus, he let it be known. He wants to be your friend. He could have said servant, but he said friend. Here's your big takeaway this morning. And I pray that you'll never forget this. History's greatest heroic act of friendship is the cross of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And he did it out of love. No greater love than that he has for his friends. How many of you want to be a friend with God today? Amen. How many believe that if today you're a friend with God, it'll make you a better friend with those around you? Amen. Because how was Jesus such a good friend to Peter when he knew Peter was going to deny him? How was Jesus a good friend to the other disciples when he knew the struggles that they were going to have? How was Jesus a friend to the centurion after he nailed him to the cross and he said, Father, forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. It's because he had such a relationship with his heavenly father. And I'm here to tell you that if you will allow yourself to have a true friendship with God the Father, it'll make you a better friend to other people. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you today. God, we want to have that kind of friendship. And we pray you bring those type of friends in our lives. Friends who will be a Samuel, a Jonathan, a Nathan, who make us better, who strengthen us, who tell us the truth. And God, we pray that you will help us develop a closer friendship with you so that we in turn can be a better friend to them. Father, you love us unconditionally. Help us to do the same. And help us, Lord Jesus, to live after your role model. We pray it in your mighty name. Heads are still bowed and no one's looking around. If you're in this room or watching online, you've never given your heart to Christ. Today, you want to invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, your friend. Today, you want to receive Jesus and become friends with God. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me, would you? Will you ask Jesus right now to come be your friend? He will. He died for you for that reason. He rose from the grave. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, right here and right now, I surrender my life to you. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive all of my sin. And the best way I know how, right here, right now, I receive you as my Savior. I trust you, and I ask you not only to be my father, but Lord, be my friend. And from this day forward, I will serve you, and I will follow after you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. 
For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit. Thank you for joining us today for The Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our